Welcome to Becoming Unstoppable, the podcast. So excited to have you here. I'm your host, Jen Parker, business mindset coach. I help and empower female entrepreneurs navigate through their self-sabotaging behaviors and resistance so they can become unstoppable. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my mastermind, taking you from feeling overwhelmed and exhausted in your self-sabotaging behaviors to feeling unstoppable. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming Unstoppable. So I'm so excited for today's guest. We've got Natalie all the way from Canada today on the mm-hmm. podcast. And I'm so excited to talk to Natalie about how she supports women and parents as well. But Natalie is um, a holistic, emotional, transformational coach, certified yoga and creator of the emotion control method. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you, Jen, for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure being here. My gosh, I'm so excited to have you. And for those who are new to the world, can you just um, explain how you actually support people? So, Jen, I support mostly parents. And how I support them is helping them to understand when they are being triggered, when they're getting upset, especially with their kids, what their kids are doing or not doing for that matter, that brings up a lot of emotions. And sometimes they find themselves reacting to what is happening. And a lot of times they all say, it just take over me and I have no control over it. But afterwards, I don't feel good about how I reacted. So I help parents go on this journey, on this quest to really understand what is a trigger, what is upsetting to them, because usually what is upsetting to them is not what's happening in the present moment. And when they they can open to seeing this reality, then they feel empowered and they know how to change that reaction that happens sometimes like very unconsciously Um, but there's a way to read the body to make the mind and body connection so we can respond better when we are being triggered when our buttons are being pushed by our children so in a nutshell that's what I do I help them with that Amazing. Wow. And what an amazing thing that you're able to support people. Because I think when you become a parent, you have all of these romantic ideas about how it's going to look. And then the reality is a lot of what's happened to how you were raised and how you felt as, as a child, it all, you know, it's almost like a kettle and it's bubbling over. And you're like, whoa, you know, sometimes we, Sometimes when we're parents, we're expecting to have control of the situation. And I, I've, sometimes it can be that when you become a parent, you don't have control, but you have control of how you react and respond. And I love how you're supporting people, parents, to understand how they're actually responding to their children. And our children do like to push our buttons quite a lot. So it's like how, you know, what's happening here. So for people, um, you know, could you explain a little bit more about when parents are noticing that they are getting triggered 
what might be some things that they might notice to start off with? Well, the first thing, Jen, that we notice is once we're triggered, we get taken on this journey, this wild journey. And from zero to 10, we were calm and then boom, we're super angry. And, and then we start to react either by yelling, shouting, or we're starting to blame our kids or complaining about what they're doing or not doing. So in that moment, when you often, most parents realize it when they are actually doing it, right? So, but the body, um, I always tell parents, the body will speak up first. Your body gives you the signs when you're upset. And so helping them and educating them how to be aware of that when somebody, especially the child is pushing your buttons, what is it that you're feeling first? Mm. And so that's where I take them then on this journey. And then when they can pinpoint, okay, that's the moment that I'm, I know I'm getting triggered, then it's important to somehow interrupt it. So they do not go on that downward spiral of repeating the same kind of reaction that they don't want. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's where I would take them in and, and ask them about it. Like, tell me more about Okay, when you get angry, where is that anger in your body? What do you feel when you get angry? Mm. Yeah, because all of us, if I ask you, Jen, when you get angry, what shows up in your body? Yeah, well, for me, I mean, and, and sometimes it's always in the mornings when you're trying to, you have the expectations of getting things done, get them out the door, or they have to do certain things. And yes. so, you know, I think, for me, you know, and it's like, okay, well, and, and, you know, you're speaking on a calm sort of voice. Okay. Um, can, can you do this? And then for me, when I notice, cause I think a lot of people may not even notice what's happening in their body. Yes. I yeah. think, and, and I've met a lot of women who they're so disconnected to the signs that their body is saying that they're under stress, that they're already in a heightened anxious state they don't even know what those early signs are and so what I'm hearing from you Nat is you're able to show you know help guide parents of maybe what their early indicators of what happens to their body when they're in a reactive state yeah and and that's that's the key like you said a lot of people are already disconnected they're not aware of when it's happening that's why it seems like a it's like a blizzard that just happens for them. But really, if we slow down and we kind of step back, even before the trigger, usually there's a set of events that's been happening, right? And the trigger, I always explain the trigger to people. It's like in a gun, the trigger is just a little mechanism that you push, but what comes out is the explosive, mm. but the explosive were already in the gun. They were already present. So what is coming up, it's like, yeah, your child may do something and they push on that button, but what is coming up was already there in you. 
Yes. And so we need to understand, okay, what was already there in you? If it's anger, if it's sadness, if it's frustration or whatever it is, why is that? Because what was in there in you already, it's not your child fault. It's within yourself that you need to understand better of, okay, what is it that I'm not taking care of for myself? How am I not showing up to take care of myself, for instance, or allow myself to feel what's going on in me? Because, you know, as a mother, we have so many things to do. We can go, you know, through days and weeks of, of not feeling what's going on with us if we let it happen. Mm, I think and that becomes, is, yeah, yeah. And, and so powerful, isn't it? Because it's sort of like, actually, it's not what happened, but it's also to do with our state. Like sometimes, you know, like, you know, when you feel really calm and nothing really affects you. Mm-hmm. But when you're already, you know, like you said, it's almost like that mechanism of like a gun firing off. It's all of the events leading up to that of how you're feeling. So, you know, and it's sometimes like if you're already feeling in a heightened stress state to begin with, and then you're in an environment where you're getting triggered and you're saying, well, it's a child or it's this that's causing it, it's actually to do with hang on let's just it's almost like having a movie and going rewind hang on you know like you used to go that scene and it's almost like hang on let's just um rewind the scene and actually see what's actually going on and how you are first because sometimes and I don't know if you find this with the clients that you serve Natalie is sometimes people think that self-care is taught very um superficially and it's Mm -hmm. something that you know people just think oh I do something once and you know I'm doing self-care but you know how I think self-care is such a deeper embodiment how how do you um talk to your parents about the importance of self-care so self-care is an interesting thing because um for me my journey started with self-care like years ago with yoga with my yoga teacher and uh, and her name is Anna Forrest and she's lived in the in Australia for a little bit because her husband is Australian but I remember she wrote a book called Fierce Medicine and um, that was in probably 2012 I want to say around there and I went to a training uh, I attended a training and she was signing the book And in the book, she says, love yourself as much as you love your children. Mm. And I was like, okay, what does that really mean to love myself as much as I love my children? And then I went on that journey to try to figure out. And, And essentially on this journey that I've been on, it's about our relationship with ourselves. Yeah, how we talk to ourselves, how we view ourselves, how we treat ourselves. That's that's self-love and and caring for ourselves in a way that we feel held, right? We feel that we are being held. And 
I think for a lot of us women, and I know I grew up in a culture where that was never taught to take care of myself. And I even for me to see that. And I don't blame my parents. I don't blame my mother. She did what she knew to her best interests. But I, I think there was a part of me that did not receive what she wanted. And so we grew up then. Um, and for me, I know the coping mechanism to that was people being a people pleaser, mm. making sure I care for other people first. And I was doing it with the hope that, you know, I would get that love, that care in return. And when it doesn't happen and you keep growing up and you become an adult, then you never know how to really love and care for yourself because A, it wasn't mirrored to you. And B, you don't even know what that feels like. And so I think a lot of us have gone on this path like this. And for me, when I did the inner work to reconnect with that part that did not feel loved, did not feel cared for, validated, then I could understand, okay, what is missing that I actually need to attend to? Because as an adult, we want somebody to do this for me, but nobody else can do it for us. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. And that's, I think that's breaking the dream of every single person who is still hanging out there, wanting that perfect person to that partner who is going to love them and be there for them the way they want it to be. Mm. And, and when we do that, we set ourselves for failure because nobody, no matter how much they love us, they're not going to be able to fill the gap of what we missed in our childhood. Mm. Right. And, and come to the understanding that the only person who can do it is ourselves. And that's what self-care and self-love is all about is reconnecting to that part of us and giving her or him what she didn't have or he yeah. didn't have growing yeah. up. Yeah. How absolutely profound. I love how you were able to really explain about, because I think sometimes self-care is, I think it's really watered and diluted. And mm -hmm. I love how you speak that actually it's to do with the relationship you have with yourself and this deep love. And, you know, when you went to that training and like, love yourself more than you love your kids and sometimes our children are looking at everything that we're doing and sometimes we're like oh I don't think they're taking note right they're like little sponges and sometimes mm -hmm. the more that we love and appreciate ourselves of what we are truly worth that our worth comes from ourselves and I think when you were talking about people pleasing because I think a lot of people who are people pleasers are seeking validation externally from themselves because they never felt truly worth it. And then what happens is they seek validation 
oh, and it's like this little cortisol, you know, in our brains going, ding, ding, ding. It's like candy. You know, know, your brain's like, oh, I feel worthy. I feel good. And it can also go into a lot of people pleasers are rescuers. They're always rescuing. And so sometimes when they're rescuing, they're, um, I love this quote. It's basically, you don't have to catch yourself on fire to keep another person warm which is such a good understanding of how boundaries work. And I think if you're someone who struggles with boundaries and you are a people pleaser, it should never be at the cost of yourself. Yes. And having even having a partner or a child, it's not to because you don't feel whole. You are already, you're already whole, people. You're already yes. complete and whole. And sometimes what happens is, we have so many conditionings, even, even in good environments, how we have perceived different situations as a child and we've carried that. So it's almost like when you do this work, you peel back and um, almost come back to your essence of who you are. So what you do is I, it's so powerful. I can really feel it and how important of then giving parents these skills for the next generation. Yeah, because if um, if we don't reconnect with ourselves, then even with our own children, we can repeat the same thing with them from what we've learned as children, and that's where we we see the generational trauma keeps gets passed down until one generation say, "Okay, I I'm aware of what's happening, and I want to change that, and I want to." A mirror to my children a different way of how I show up as a parent so that they they can because our children they are very little and they are closer to their true essence than we are and that's the thing we all usually forget we think that okay we need to mold them into something but it's actually the opposite they don't need any molding they are already connected within themselves it's us putting the expectations on them that then disconnect them from who they are and we don't allow them to flourish and grow um, in the person they are that they are Mm -hmm. and so if we can just sit back which I know it's hard because I'm a parent myself and I know how hard that is to just sit back and let them be who they are within the boundaries as they are learning um, how then we are don't, we're not going to put as much conditioning on them and disconnecting them from their true essence. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear, Natalie, because, you know, being, being a parent, you know, and how, how you actually came to do this work of supporting other parents in their journey of triggers and, you know, giving them the tools, like what, what gave, what made you want to do this type of work? Yeah, so I, I tell you a little bit about myself, Jen, so that you have a little bit more context. So before I even had issues with my own children, like I like when I me and my husband first met, there was a lot of challenges going on and um, and we knew that we had to go seek help. and we did seek help and that put me uh, put me on a journey of, really understanding um, what I was feeling that was triggering in my relationship with him. And so 
I spent two years with psychotherapy um, with a lovely therapist that really helped me understand what was going on. And so I went on that journey and learned a lot. And then I went also on my yoga journey with my teacher and learning a lot when I became pregnant with my first child. And then I thought at that point, okay, I've done a lot of work on myself. So now I'm ready to have children. And, and I not only had one, I have three now, three boys, but my journey, my when I decided to homeschool them, which was something that was already scary for me. It took me a couple of years to even just jump in on that journey because I was so scared. And then when I did, when I finally did, because it was something in me that was pushing me to do it. And I did it. And the first few years was terrible. And I, I was on the verge of saying, okay, and I always said to them, and, and to this day, I always say, the, the door is always open. If you want to go back to school, you can. And But that first two years, I was like, okay, I don't think I'm cut off for this. Like, this is too hard. Like, because a lot of my buttons were being pushed. And I'm, I was really triggered. Every day I would wake up and I'm like, today is going to be a different day. I'm going to manage my emotions and I'm not going to blow up. But, you know, before noon, something had already happened. And it was, um, it was an eye opener because nobody felt good. Everybody was in tears some days. And my husband was like, I don't know, like every day there's chaos going on. So then I decided to... I realized that, you know, the common de denominator with all of this, there are three of them and one of me. So I'm the common denominator. And I realized that a lot of my expectations when they were not being met by my kids was a big trigger for me. And I got really angry and I said things that I, you know, that I regret that I've said to them. And, um, and yeah, I knew something had to change. So I went on this journey on, on really understanding what is going on in my mind. And that's how I, I started on, on the subconscious mind, understanding what's in there. What are these expectations, these beliefs, these habits that were coming up that were so strong for me? And I realized that a lot of that came with my own programming when I was a child. Mm. And then understanding that those beliefs, they are no longer working for me. Because now I, I do want to homeschool my kids because why did I want to homeschool them? And because I want them to get in touch with what is it that they really love to do in life? What are their gifts, their talents? that they have that they can connect with and, and put into practice and use them for what they came here to do. So that was my intent uh, and not just going for the school system and being very rigid in the way that they are learning. So reminding myself of that intention and 
when I looked and realized what are those beliefs that I had that were bringing up the expectations that I had for them, they were not matching at all. So that's, that is what put me on this journey to change my beliefs, to change my expectations. And then that changed how I felt when they were not meeting the expectations and that it was okay. It's, it's no big deal. It's not the end of the world, but that's what I was going on in my mind before that. Okay, my gosh, like if they're not getting it and they're not doing it, then they're not learning. And if they're not learning, they're failing. And if they're failing, that's my fault. And if that's my fault, then I'm not a good parent. Mm. So I had to drill down and see where that was coming from and what was the fear that I had, that fear of not being a good enough parent. And so, yeah, and, and going on that journey and then also learning now in the present moment, being aware of how that shows up, right? And, and when it sh is showing up, when I'm aware of, again, what we were talking about, how the body will show you the signs and to recognize those signs and to just interrupt it. Mm. Learning how to interrupt it and, and just being there for myself. Say, okay, yes, you're getting upset right now. I know how you feel, but everything is going to be okay. We're going to work this together and we... And then with the child and learning how to regulate myself so that my child can also regulate, right? Because if I'm dysregulated, my child is going to be dysregulated. Mm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, when you, you know, this journey that you've got, because sometimes we go through these journeys of, you know, challenge and, you know, your journey was really about the journey of been a parent but also what I'm hearing is like the journey of knowing my triggers and the expect we have so many expectations and they're so unrealistic and so yeah. we can never meet these these parts because I think what we need to also remind ourselves when we're parents is we all see the world differently and so when we have these high expectations if if you're someone who's a very um, Taipei personality of very analytical, very structured, um, you know, and in my work, I've found that a lot of um, in my career, so, you know, doing this and doing social work, I found those types of personalities find that when they have a child, they find that, oh my gosh, I don't have control. And so yeah. that, you know, and then it's like, then it's like, releasing that power and I love how you spoke about well do my expectations meet my beliefs and my behaviors because god let's be honest how often do people do us you know a Marie Kondo spring clean of mm -hmm. all of our beliefs and our beliefs are basically anything that we're no longer questioning and it doesn't have to be true or false or it could be positive or negative but how often do we go okay I've done a spring clean of my bedroom and my house. Hang on a minute. I'm just going to like, let's look at every aspect of my life and see how that's interplaying. People don't. They think it's right. going to be too much. But if people don't do it, then it it's like this, um, it's, 
you know, gridlock effect of like it's just going to overflow into other aspects of your life. And I love how you really spoke about, well, are these even matching? And so what I'm hearing is when you were able to almost release that expectations, what did that give you for you? It gave, it gave me that peace of mind that, you know, before my nervous system would get really agitated and activated when, um, when they're not meeting the expectation because there's fear coming up for me. And so when I understood, okay, when those expectations are not being met, that's when it brings the fear. And the fear was that I'm not, you know, I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good teacher for them. But then when I asked myself, is that true? It's not, right? And so, but the expectations is reminding me of that. So changing those expectations and gave me the freedom to be flexible and to know that it has nothing to do with my ability to teach them. And it also has nothing to do with their ability to learn for that matter. Mm. Yeah. And so it gave me the flexibility and it's okay. It's okay if they, they are upset sometimes. They are frustrated when they're learning. It's part of learning to get frustrated and it's okay. And, and we can take a break and it's okay to take a break. Nothing has to be done right now at this very moment. So it allowed me the freedom to play with pausing, to play with okay, like maybe today is a write-off day and it's fine. Tomorrow, we're going to start over again, mm. yeah. right? And, and so, so then there's not that aspect of pressure of something has to be done right now, which um, was problematic for me because that's what I experienced myself as a child. And so when I understood that about this was my experience, but my experience is not, what they're experiencing now that they shouldn't be it doesn't have to be the same and actually I don't want it to be the same Mm. Mm. yeah 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 I I I think a lot of people can probably really resonate with what you're talking about because we put we put so many expectations on our children and then when we sort of you know, when you're going back and understanding like, well, what am I fearful? Is this true? And then, you know, I love how you sort of said, well, recognizing what's happening in my body, but then I'm able to, you know, just let it go, let it be. And, you know, and for the, for those people who may not be homeschooling, because, you know, you're talking in the context of this and how you came to do that, you know, obviously if, as a parent, we might want our kids to do, even if it's say homework or something like that, how could people apply this knowledge into something like helping our kids with homework? And they might be like um, trying, but it's, you know, it's not working. What could you give them as some sort of pointers as well? Yeah, I would say if you find that you're reacting when they're not doing their homework, for instance, or, and And just a matter that they are not doing their homework, know that kids, you know, kids want our love and our attention. They want to be connected with the parent. That's, and it's instinctive in them. That's what they want. Now, when they are engaging into behaviors, 
like not doing their homework or refusing to do it for whatever reason or resisting. There's, there is a deeper meaning to that. So the behavior usually is just this band-aid. That's just the symptoms that's coming up. But deep is a, an actual wound, meaning they are wanting something that they're they are not getting. So sometimes it can sh show up into like, oh, you want me to do my homework? I'm not going to do my homework because I want something from you that you're not giving me. And I don't know how to tell you that apart from not doing what you want me to do. Mm. So if you're in that situation where you, they're not wanting to do their homework, then it's important to actually understand, okay, what is it? Why, what is it that you need from me? Mm. Instead of like being upset and then punishing them or being angry at them because the message then that they get, because the child just want to communicate one of their needs to us. And they're using the behavior of not doing their homework to hopefully get across to us. But if we in return punish or we get angry, then it sends the signal, okay, even when I'm asking and I'm trying, it gets even worse they still don't get it yeah and they and they're they're wanting it's almost like especially when you've got two strong personalities you know parent and child mm -hmm. where they both have expectations of what they want and their inner needs and just not being met and so what I'm hearing from you Natalie is when as a parent we can understand and meet them to almost like they're you know, the, that basic need of um, a sense of belonging. And sometimes children aren't always able to articulate it. But what I'm hearing is just like, I'm here for you, you know. Um, and like sometimes the reason that they might be avoiding is that they find it really hard. And so they'll be doing everything in their power to do that. And so they feel they have control over saying no because it feels good and it feels powerful. So when when I you know that's what I'm sort of hearing is like if if parents are in this um, predicament which I'm sure most parents will encounter this at some <laughs> point let's be honest yes. at some point with one child or another child and so it's just meeting them understanding where your expectations are and really about what they need in that in that actual moment and how we can sort of meet that sense of belonging is that sort of what you would sort of say yeah like and, and in order to also understand the child and that's why the work like if you're getting triggered you're getting upset that's the number one thing to address first so that you are regulated because if you're not regulated and you're addressing them from this upset um, aspect of yourself then that's when you may see more resistance from them or you know, that's when, like you said, you may be butting head with them, right? So it's important then to address how you are feeling about it, because that's how you're feeling. Again, it's like that trigger in that gun 
the emotions you're feeling is yours. It's not theirs. Yes, they activated it, but it was already there. So when you work for that and you get to an understanding of what's happening with you, and then you can change if if it is your expectation to change the expectation, like that's what I had to do for myself. And then not to say today that my kids don't complain at times or they get frustrated with their work or they start to get dysregulated with me. But for me now, I've, I know my signs of when I'm getting triggered and I literally silently say, okay, you're getting triggered. Do you need a pause? Let's take a pause. And I give them a pause as well and say, let's just pause. We'll come back in a few minutes. Mm. right and then I'm working on myself I calm down and from a place of being calm then I can sit down with him and usually when children are not getting something and you know in this day and age how they want everything quick if they're not getting something their frustrations show up and that's totally normal and it's but we have to be there for them. They, that's what they need the help with. They want the help of the parent to know how they're feeling, that they are frustrated, and they want to know that we are them there to help them through that period of frustration. And when they sense that, okay, you can be present for me, you can hold my frustration, you're not going to judge me, you're not going to get angry with me, then they calm down and they become more open mm. to yeah. listening and to hear your point of view or whatever you're trying to get across with them. Yeah. And it's so powerful. I think sometimes we underestimate the, the, the moment of the pause and just, you know, being able to almost being able to come back to our body and calm down so then we're coming from that place rather than that highly reactive and I think you know it's it's sometimes when we're in that moment if if you're noticing and that's what I'm hearing is like take a pause because there's no point doing anything when you're in that and then addressing them from that different energy of like even if it's you know yeah you know you go and do something for a longer period and look after you first and then you come from a different feeling because you're feeling better and they can pick up on it because they're, they're sort of going oh okay mum's feeling a bit calmer oh I feel good now yeah so yeah. yeah so powerful so powerful the work that you're able to support parents because it's you know this type of work is so important because being a parent will show you the part the wounds and the parts of us that we haven't healed because it is a journey mm-hmm. and we usually have you know there's always a one of our kids who is very similar to ourselves and that's usually the child who is very similar to us <laughs> we don't like yes. to admit it and um that's uh, I like to say that like they're almost like our teachers of of more work that we need to do so it's yeah and if we're charged by it you know what's going on and yeah I love how you said you know go and have a bit of a pause what's our expectations so such really powerful and practical ways that people can start implementing so yeah if I may say something because you know when we are dysregulated ourselves and we are like charged up with emotions 
usually it's like we've regressed back to being a child. We are having a tantrum and when we are having a tantrum and our child is having a tantrums and like we have two five-year-olds butting head, what good is going to come out of this? Mm. Absolutely. It is like <laughs> two five-year-olds. Yeah. 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 And sometimes it's like, hang on a minute, you know, like am I the adult or am I the child? And Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing your journey of really how you became unstoppable and really about, you know, the journey of even before you became a parent, making that decision of like your inner healing work and then like the healing work of doing all of this is continual. And it's, yes, it's something that, you know, and you know, how you're supporting parents. I just love it. And um, for those who are interested to know more about you, what's the best way people can follow you, Natalie? Um, I, they can follow me, Natalie Lefebvre on Facebook. And I also have a group. So if you go on my main page, you'll have the link to join my group. And that's where I post a lot of information. And if they want to visit my website, it's just natalielefebvre.com. And there's information there as well. So yeah, in one of those avenues. Yeah. Yeah. And what we'll do is we'll have um, on the show notes, people can click on to the best way to contact you as well. Sure. So absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today, Natalie. I've absolutely enjoyed it being a fellow parent myself and children that um, like to also push my buttons. It's been so practical and it's always, you know, sometimes we can be that five-year-old having a, you know, and then we have to go, hang on a minute, the more I love myself, the more I'm going to show up as a better parent for them, you know? Yes. So I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, today. thank you, Jen. absolutely enjoyed it so much. It was a pleasure for me. And thank you for giving me that opportunity to share with other parents to know that they can do the work and, and it's possible when they invest in themselves and I know you help a lot of women as well so um, they can reach out to you or to me and and go on this journey whatever resonates with them yeah yeah absolutely yeah thank you so much thank thank you for listening to another episode of becoming unstoppable if you're ready to start your journey of becoming unstoppable please join my community of Becoming Unstoppable for Soul-Led Courageous Female Entrepreneurs. This is where I share weekly trainings and all great resources. Have a lovely day.